The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Hundredth and thirty-fifth episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz, and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? Happy New Year, everyone! I am doing great. The New Year is a time to look at what you're going to change and all that stuff. And to all of you who are doing New Year's resolutions, I wish you the best of luck. My my resolution is to keep being me because I'm fucking awesome. I don't need to improve. (laughs) No, but uh, thank you all for listening and coming back with us to start this year. I'm so excited to talk about some wrestling. Absolutely, and hopefully you guys have made your New Year's resolution to be continuing to listen to All Things Elite because we truly appreciate the support that you guys give us. But we've got a good about a good lot to talk about uh, on this episode of All Things Elite. We have the New Year Smash episodes of Dynamite and Rampage, the final Dynamite on TNT before they move over to TBS, which we're, record- we're recording this late at night, so it is going to be released on Wednesday, so today is the first episode of AEW Dynamite on TBS, so we got to talk about that, but before we get into everything, I want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. It really does mean the world to us. And you can leave a rating and a review. You can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle, if you're so inclined. But the easiest way to support us is by following us on social media. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod, at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. They also have a bunch of other awesome shows on their network, too, so be sure to check those out. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, the big news of the week in AEW this week is actually a little bit more serious than what we normally talk about for big news of the week. Um, There was a bit of an incident that took place on social media when a Fightful article released on recently released uh, wrestler, not even released, she left on her own accord. So former AEW wrestler Big Swole did an interview with Fightful.com where she talked about her time in AEW, and she brought up the 
lack of diversity and lack of some structure in AEW uh, for the time period when she was there. Um, and in, that was what the headline was when it was tweeted out. And then Tony Khan had a response to it uh, that didn't go over well with a lot of people. Um, so it this topic involves a lot of race rela- relations and diversity and all that kind of stuff. I am a white man with a lot of privilege. Floyd is a black man, if you're not very familiar with that yet. Uh, so I will toss it over to Floyd on this first. Uh, since we both had uh, instant reactions, but I think Floyd, you said yours changed yes. uh, after you did more digging into it. Yes. So we Tony Khan's re- exact reply as I read it. If you I'm, if you listen to the show, you probably already read it. The top two AEW execs are Brown, me, and Mega, uh, Jade, Bowens, Caster, Dante, Nyla, Isaiah, and Mark Quinn all won on TV this month. The TBS title tournament has been very diverse. I let swole contracts expire as I felt her wrestling wasn't good enough. Hashtag AEW Rampage Street Fight Tonight. So, um, initial reaction. Let's go initial reaction. Initial reaction, I read it, and I'm like, I've always thought the diversity issue in AEW was grasping at straws. I will even say that. There's there's color, there's there's uh, there's color diversity, there's sexual diversity. There, I mean, as far as sexual orientation, there is all sorts of different diversity on the show, right? So, I have found that when certain people talk about diversity, they don't mean all diversity. They really mean their diversity. So I read the article and I was like, okay, I think Swole's out of line. You know, that that's, was my first thought. I'm going to be 100%. That was my first thought because I've always thought, like I said. So I get, you know, taking sides because, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know what? And then my friend JR, as he, JR Perez, who's been on the show much time, he said, listen to the video. So I took my. Uh, I, I, and I wouldn't even call it anger because I wasn't really angry. I just kind of shrugged my shoulder. I, I honestly can say, I, I tell you, it was a bad reply. I don't think Tony Khan should have replied. That is 110% where I stand. I think if you don't reply, no one hears about it. Like, at all. I don't think you anyone replies. Like, the few hundred people that listen to her podcast and some people that tweet about it, and it goes away. That's 100% I think is the right thing. I think you're the owner of the company, a public traded company with a fairly good reputation. I think most people would have talked, took it as a disgruntled employee saying things and just moved on. But he chose to reply. And I think I, I uh, listened to Joe Lanza and I agree with him. I have no problem with him saying Cole's whole contract expires. I felt wrestling wasn't good enough because she opened the door to that. They look like they had a very peaceful, uh, you know, mutual agreement not to sign the contract. So at that point, it feels like once you, you come out with that, once you come out on that, it's just like, okay, let it die. But Swole has the right to say, 
her experience working there. So I listened to the 55 minutes and it completely changed how I saw everything. This 55 minutes was about, and I'm estimating, about 40 minutes because she did take calls at the end of the show uh, of the 55 minutes. It was about 40 minutes of her glowing and talking about how much she loved the AEW experience, talking about how generous of a man Tony Khan is, how come it's a work to place. She always ate. He would rent out places for them to eat, close it down so they would eat. He would just take care of his employees and how great it was. She then spent two minutes, maybe three. And I'm like, I, I did not do timestamps, but I'm just telling you what it felt like. She took two or three minutes to say things that, in her opinion, could improve about AEW. It wasn't a critical. It wasn't saying the company was bad. These are things that she noticed could improve. Diversity, as in uh, seeing people like her in the division, the, the uh, in in the actual room making decisions. Uh, more people like her on TV, that kind of thing. She she went through and talked about that, and then she's like, "How AEW's kind of the structure is sink or swim. You got to come up with your own ideas. You got to keep pitching, keep pitching, and you know some people aren't creative." So they're not comfortable with that. Okay. She went through that. I thought it was well-reasoned, well-done. If this was a shoot interview, it wouldn't sell. She was way too positive. She was like, like I said, 95% positive about AEW's experience. And I came back away from that. I was like, Tony Khan didn't listen to this. That was my first thought after I listened to it. He reacted to the article. He didn't listen. Because if he listened, he wouldn't have replied. Because it was a generally positive outlook and positive on her experience in AEW. So I come through looking. I still, maybe I'm brown, I'm black, I'm whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm African-American. So a lot of, I don't know if a lot of people know that. I've mentioned it on the show. But when I look at AEW, what I see, what I see is... uh. I could go through the list of different wrestlers, but apparently listing the people is different. But I see a person named Jay Cargill, a six foot, very African-American woman built like, you know, a Greek statue that is undefeated and very much featured over the last year. I see Ricky Starks as the FTW champion with basically his own group in Team Taz, where his Muscle is Will Hobbs, who is African-American, and they're all under tasks, you know, in that group. And then I see Private Party, who's, you know, had their first, you know, Young Bucks, like, first loss as far as in AEW is doing a tournament it to Private Party. I see uh, the AEW tag team, first AEW tag team champions being Scorpio Sky. I see the face of the revolution. Ladder match being Scorpio Sky. Uh, I see a lot of different Andrade, how he's been represented. And I could go through the list. Now, are there any African-American world champions? No. And I literally could do three hours on all the reasons I don't think that's it. Case. Uh, But I'm not. 
because this is not the place to talk about this. This is not what this is about. What I'm saying is they're a company that's three years old. They're, they're really, they just got their like first TV contract, like their first bigger TV contract. And they're really trying to build their brand and get their audience out there. What you have to do at this point is put the things on TV that your audience wants to see. And you can't worry about all that. Uh, you can't worry about diversity yet. WWE, by for example, is 30-something years in, $200 million a year deal for two different shows. Two different TV shows have billion-dollar deals or whatever. They're, they got more money than they know what they do with. So they're established so they can start addressing other things. And But AEW, from the beginning, has a diverse, uh, a diverse roster. If this comes off as me defending Tony Khan, I'm not. I don't know the man. I don't know Tony Khan. I have no reason to defend him. I, I, I no reason to pay. I'm just saying what I see. I, I lived in the 80s. I am 40 years old. I lived in the 80s and 90s where it was Junkyard Dog. And, like, literally you can name on your hand the black wrestlers. You know what I mean? Junkyard Dog, Coco Beware, Iceman King Parsons. And none of them were winning a world title. I didn't know that. My brother would tell me that, but I didn't know that. You know? Um, it was... Then when Ron Simmons won the title, it was great. But when I watched wrestling... It wasn't, I didn't, I don't watch wrestling thinking about that stuff. I watch wrestling escaping from that stuff. Wrestling is Harry Potter. Wrestling is my Star Wars. Wrestling is my Lord of the Rings. I escape to the world of professional wrestling. And sometimes they do bring the world, real world, into professional wrestling. Don't get me wrong whether I like it or not, they do. But I don't think about that kind of stuff. I look at the content of the heroes that I look for, not the color of their skin. Do I think it's important that little kids see people their color on the screen? Absolutely. But in some places, it doesn't exist. But to me, it's like when I watch wrestling, I watch it for enjoyment. I watch it to get lost in the stories and the matches and the colors and the over- over-the-top characters. So when stuff like this happens, it's like, oh, the real world is invading my product. And I don't really like that. So I, if, you, you, if I, I sound a little uncomfortable talking about this, I am. Because when I talk about wrestling, I talk about love. We're the proclivity for positivity. You know, that's what we do. And I talk about the emotions, everything, family. And we're going to move on to that fairly quickly. But I just wanted to let you know, it's just like, I see it. I I hear people say there's ways to improve on diversity. I would like to know what they are. Because it's like, do you put somebody in the room just because they're African-American? Do you put somebody in the room just because they're Mexican? Or do you put the best person in the room? Or could the best person in the room be African-American? I, I'm not going to answer all these questions on this show. Never going to answer all these questions on this show. I'm just one person. I'm just one person and I have my opinions on everything. But when it comes to wrestlers, I just want to see my favorite wrestlers wrestle and put on a good show. It ain't that deep in my mind. And Austin, as one of 
my friends and my close friends, I welcome you to talk about it. Because even with me, I tell people I have been very privileged in life. I have been very privileged in life. I I work a job that allows me to make a great living. I, you know, I have my wife, my Caucasian wife that uh, I've been married to. I was married to a black woman the first time. That's neither here or there. But I, I, I haven't dealt with a lot of problems that people have dealt with. I've had my share. But it's because I am such a glass half full person. You know, a person that looks at the positive side, I've pretty much not thought about those things. So I welcome your thoughts on this situation. Like I said, I want to make it very clear. Tony, as the owner of a company that is has so many followers, shouldn't have said or posted what he said. I personally would have rather him said nothing. So Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and getting into me, like I said, I'm a privileged white person, um, and my opinions on diversity and all that kind of stuff, um, I'll get it all out of the way. Like, of course, if you have an issue with people saying Black Lives Matter, I don't understand your viewpoint whatsoever. If you have an issue with that, it completely baffles me. Um, But getting into actually what was being said between both Big Swole and Tony Khan – um, first off, I think the very clear thing uh, that we can see from this sort of situation is that either Tony needs to read the entire thing before making a tweet and not get clickbaited. Because let's be fair, a lot of us got clickbaited by the Fightful article a little bit because there was a lot more said by Big Swole than just what was said in the headline. Like, you got to do your due diligence with that still. I work in sports. I work in a, at a news station. You got to do your due diligence more so when you get into this stuff because the headline will grab you. But you kind of got to do a little bit more digging with that. And it seemed like Tony didn't do that. And he got himself into a little bit of hot water because of it. Uh, I think Tony might need a PR person possibly for social media after this because with like him getting Twitter into Twitter spats with former Jacksonville Jaguar players and then this – like, dude, maybe you should kind of just lay off of Twitter a little bit, like, with that, because this is shit we don't need. Um, and in regards to Big Swole, um, I can see her arguments 100%. Like, and again, like like Floyd said, most of the entire interview, she built up AEW. She, she, like, applauded them. She said it was a great place to work. She enjoyed her time there. She enjoyed working for Tony. All this kind of stuff. But in terms of a lack of diversity with AEW, I can see it, but I would also offer the argument that the company is still less than two years old. Like, it's kind of hard to build up a diverse roster of people that you're you're trying to get everybody over. And regardless of the fact of, like, getting people over that are people of a minority or such like that, most of the people that you're going to have to get that put towards the topper edge of the card are going to have to be like at the start of AEW, mostly established names. So like while wow, you had people like Lucha Brothers of Mexican descent and stuff like that, and then maybe a couple others, most of the guys that were original AEW people were white because the people that they signed that were big names that could get people's attraction to AEW were people that happened to be white, but they were also very good at what they did. Um, I think the argument of that they could be diver- more more diverse and you would like them to be more diverse is absolutely 100% a fine argument, and I won't discredit that whatsoever. 
if you're saying that AEW is not diverse, I got to disagree with you on that. Now, if like again, if you think they're not diverse enough, there's a conversation to be had by that. But to say that they don't show any diversity um, is not true. Like you got people like Sonny Kiss, you got people like Jade Cargill, you've got people like w- Powerhouse Hobbs, you got people uh, like from like different countries and all that kind of stuff. And like again, like I would argue that at least outside of New Japan, because it's a Japanese wrestling promotion, uh, the amount of like like when they started off and they were doing all the Joshi stuff, like no American wrestling company showcased Joshi wrestling like AEW did at the start. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but what I would say too, as well, moving off of just like Big Swole, because I don't have an issue of what Big Swole said. I do have an issue with the reaction uh, Tony said, but I do think he was 100% right being like, no, like we we are diverse. It's like, he was right on that. He literally just needed to delete the last two lines of his tweet where he was like, watch Rampage. And also I let uh, Big Swole's contract run out because I didn't think she was a good enough wrestler. Like you delete those last two lines and people aren't going to be as mad because you're not being more vice about it. It's more so you're just kind of like you're holding up your guard a little bit more. So that way, like people don't trample over you and stuff like that. Um, but in that same vein, People that are going on to Big Swole's Twitter and saying all this racist shit need to fucking stop it because that solves literally nothing. And also, if you're the type of person that's saying that and you watch AEW, kindly fuck off. It's that simple. If you're just out here throwing the N-word around like willy-nilly and you say these racist things to people of color that worked or worked for AEW, fuck off. It's that simple. Same way I said the same thing about this fan that was saying that had that sign up for Nyla Rose. Fuck off. It's that simple. It's like I don't. It's like I, with uh, Nyla, I didn't care if it was like, oh, you were like sticking it to a heel. It's like fuck off. You're not funny, and it's not a situation where we want you here. And it's the same thing with Big Swole. She doesn't work for AEW anymore, but I still will say fuck off because you shouldn't do that to any person of color, regardless of if they work for your favorite wrestling company or not. You shouldn't say it at all because it's unbelievably disrespectful and you could never walk a mile in those people's shoes even if you tried. Like, And I, I say this as a person of privilege. Like, I don't know like what the situation – what the solution would be in terms of like helping AEW become more diverse because you want to get more people of color involved in AEW. But it also has to line up with the fact that AEW's roster is pretty tight and it's like – we need to make sure that the people wrestling for AEW are like talented enough and they are creative enough that they can succeed in AEW. But I can tell you right now, if you're looking for diversity in wrestling, there is so much out there. So if you're if you're looking for black representation, African American, I mean, uh, Latino rec- representation in wrestling, like any type of representation you need, like gay or any other LGBTQ plus representation. I literally did a story on this independent promotion called uh, Imperial uh, Wrestling Entertainment. They have a transgender wrestler there. So, like, there's representation in pro wrestling anywhere you try to just – you just got to look for it. So if, you, if you're worried about not finding people that look like you in wrestling, wrestling is diverse enough to the point where I can think even – not even maybe not just in AEW, but wrestling itself is diverse enough. You can find heroes that look like you in any form of wrestling. I truly do believe that. You just kind of got to do a little bit of looking, but not that hard. It's really not that hard. So, well, you know, like I, I look at a couple things, and I, I appreciate you feeling comfortable enough to talk about it here. 
But you looking at it, and I said this, and if you listen to the early shows, I said it now, that there wasn't a lot of male, the biggest problem that was talked about earlier was male African-American stars like in the main event. And I just said the biggest names were all signed with the WWE. Well, thanks to old WWE, that is no longer the case. Yeah. But but we got to wait for those 90 days to show up before they can get signed. And I will say the one argument I did see about people saying like, oh, now that Tony Khan made a comment like that he did about Big Swole, like people like Keith Lee, people like Mia Yim will see some comment like that and be like, maybe I don't want to work there anymore. So like, again, that's another, I don't think that'll be the case, but it's another reason I would say that Tony Khan needs a PR person for Twitter. The, that man is more than one comment. So yes. I'm hoping I'm not saying any of those people will sign with AEW. That's their business, and they can make the choice that they want to. But I'm hoping they talk to the people that work there, that they trust, and that they know, and then make an informed decision and do what's best for them. That's the 100%. best way. That's the best way I can put it. I would love to see Isaiah Swerve. Well, I guess just Swerve Strickland now. It's uh, Swerve Strickland. Uh, I would love to see him in AEW. I would love to see Keith Lee in AEW. Mia Yim in AEW because these are people I've rooted for. I have shirts for all of these people. So it's like, I remember I got my hit row shirt the day after they got released. Yeah. It's just, I, yeah. And I, I think, <laughs> I, I think BFAB would be a solid addition to their, their yeah. women's roster. I, I was all about, I was all about, let's just sign hit row as a, as a group, just sign the whole group. Cause they yes. had, they obviously had chemistry again. It's not my money. This is not, and I don't make these decisions. I, I and I, I do trust in Tony. I've enjoyed AEW over the last three years. You know, I've enjoyed wrestling more since AEW existed. So I'm very happy that it's here. Uh, like I said, hate when the real world gets in my wrestling. I do. I really do. I do, and I know. I know I'm not supposed to think this way or whatever. And it's just. I just like watching wrestling. It's a show. I like talking about it on here and, you know, having fun and getting lost in the stories and defending Cody feverishly, even though a lot of times I sound ridiculous and it's on purpose. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just because that's what I like about wrestling. I get lost in it. And it was just like this more uh, this weekend. It was like, hey, hey, real people, real things, real stuff going on. Real thoughts, real processes. And I had to see a lot of ugly things being said by AEW and a lot of unintelligent things said by people that I thought were intelligent that kind of hurt my feelings. But, yeah. but, alas, we will move on. Let's talk about wrestling. Let's talk about the good shit. Yes, let's talk about the good shit. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite New Year's Smash. We'll start off with Dynamite, of course. We had the lovely return in Jacksonville at Daly's Place. We had the return of Jim Ross. Hell yes to the response. He kicked Cancer's ass, and he was he had a new shirt ready to go for it. And, of course, he also just made a wonderful return. Seeing him get the ovation that he truly deserves after this was very nice to see. And seeing him back at the desk was made me very happy as well i never yeah. thought i would be happy to hear that boomer sooner theme song in my life as <laughs> i am not a OU sooner fan but it was it was music to my ears 
Uh, that's and again, I, it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't even recognize that as the Oklahoma Sooners fight song. I just recognize it as Jim Ross's theme song. Same way that when I was a, a freshman in high school, I recognized that I was playing Pomp and Circumstance in my band class, and I was like, "Why are we playing Macho Man's theme for this? Like, why are we doing this? It seems weird, but I'll do it. It doesn't matter." But we opened up the match with the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Lucha Bros. Teaming up with Jurassic Express, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy with Christian Cage and facing off against FTR, Matt Hardy, and Private Party in a wild 10-man tag match. So opening things up with one of the multi-man matches that we were going to get, but it was the, the larger one. And there was a lot of offense in this match. There was a lot of just back-and-forth action. The finish came with FTR hitting Christian Cage with the big rig and getting the win. Um, after the fact of like when Ray Phoenix and Jungle Boy jumped over the top rope, Christian Cage and Penta had a little bit of discourse, and then that's when FTR got after him. Um, and yeah, the heels got the win in this match. I thought this was a nice, fast-paced, wild, high-flying opening to Dynamite. Um, I don't think it's anything that you could write home about of being like, oh my god, like this is something you absolutely have to watch. But regardless, it was still a really good match to open up the show, I feel like. Oh, I got a question. Was FTR in this match? Yes, they were. Uh, so it is a match that you absolutely have to watch. Okay. All right, there yeah. we go. <laughs> the best tag team in the world doing what the best tag team in the world do. Tag team shit. Big rig for the three. Doesn't matter who it was. They weren't getting up. It was great to see FTR shine. They did have three other guys with them. They don't matter. FTR forever. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. We then... Move over to Jeff Parker and Matt Lee of 2.0 teaming with Daniel Garcia to face off against Santana and Ortiz and Eddie Kingston in a six-man match. So we go in from one multi-man match to another multi-man match. And Ortiz got a real I mean uh Eddie Kingston got a really good ovation in this match. Um and um this match was also solid, I think. It was fine enough. Uh the thing that more so that I enjoyed was what happened after the match when uh, even though Santana got rolled up and actually got pinned uh, because of uh, Matt Lee getting the win. So the heels once again get the win. Afterwards, 2.0 tried to get Santana uh, pinned down, and then Garcia was going to go for the timekeeper's bell. They rammed it into Santana's head. And then Chris Jericho, slightly late, but regardless, thanks for showing up, comes out and chases out 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, getting re- trying to get revenge after he was kind of I guess put on the shelf by them. And then Eddie Kingston screamed at the production truck to cut his music, got into Jericho's face being like, I don't need your help. And then like Ortiz was trying to play peacemaker of the whole thing. So look, if we're teasing to Eddie Kingston, if we're teasing towards Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho, please. And thank you because that sounds so fucking good. But the match itself, I think was fine. Uh, again, Kind of doing two multi-man matches. You already know how I feel about them. Even though AEW does do them well, doing two multi-man matches in a row kind of gave me a bit of a meh feeling. Uh, this wasn't a bad match. It was a fine enough match. Seeing Jericho come back, though, was the big moment. And Eddie Kingston and Jericho facing off was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't have a massive issue with this, though. I didn't have a massive issue with it because both of those stories led to something else. Like the... Uh, the five on five led to something that we're going to talk about later. 
this is going to lead to something further. Maybe we're building up to Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston as an odd couple tag team. Maybe we're, uh, we're building up to them knocking the shit out of each other. Maybe we're building up to Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful getting back together as they chase the tag team belts. There's a lot of different ways this can go. And I just felt like this did a great job of leaving all those all those options open without giving you a clear definition of where they're going. Yep, all right. Well, there's that. We then had two backstage segments. First, MJF backstage with Wardlow and Sean Spears, basically saying that AEW put him in unsafe working environment last week with Sting and said, I need to consider stuff during the bidding war of 2024. Um, and also said, like, yo, Wardlow, you got to grab some dubs. I'm going to start ranking myself up as well, so that way I can get myself into the AEW world title picture. Uh, consi- continuing to just be like, Fuck off Wardlow and just treating him like dirt. Uh, that will lead into uh, the Wardlow match that happened, which I'll get into after we talk about the Lucha Bros, who basically got interrupted by Christian Cage being like, you dipshits cost us the match, so you know what? You two just go ahead and fight Jurassic Express next week. They accept it, so we get two of possibly the best tag teams in AEW going at it. That's going to be a fucking hell of a match. And then we had the Wardlow versus Jobber match where Wardlow continuing powerbombed and powerbombed and powerbombed uh, poor bastard Colin Delaney. And uh, yeah, Wardlow is continuing to just wreak havoc. But of course, uh, they keep letting us know that, hey, Wardlow, uh, if you end up qualifying or like becoming number one contender or win a championship in AEW, that automatically goes to MGF because of what's said in your contract. Sean Spears, of course, also then hit Delaney with the chair, stealing the spotlight at the last moment. So Warlow's being treated like shit. When's he going to finally flip the switch and go after them? So that's that. MJF is, I am going to start referring to him as the excellence of elocution. Okay. Uh, no, like seriously, uh, you run out of adjectives for how good this man is, you know, on the mic, being a shitty person, uh, running down punk, saying he's done with them. And like literally the way he cut the promo, there's always those shitty I'm running away from you hill promos. Oh, my God. If you listen to that promo and only heard his side of it, you'd have thought punk was scared of him. You thought, you know yeah, what? Like, I, oh, I, he ducked me, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. you saw the match, you knew what happened. Yeah, yes, I'm bored with you and blah, blah, blah. It's just, he's just so good. And how how shitty he did with Warlow. Like, this is just a matter of fact. How did you not know this, you know? How did you not know this was in your contract? Now, let me tell you, Warlow has always come off as intelligent, man. This is the worst contract ever signed in the history of contracts. Yes. Like... I don't know how you even glance through this contract and say, this seems like a good idea. Let me sign it. So I'm, I'm going to blame him too, but it was and then Mark again, smart Mark fucking love that dude. He's so swarmy and he just, he does it just like a lawyer. If just like a lawyer would on a TV show, you know? Yeah. I'm not, I don't know how real lawyers work. I don't know any of them. Well, I know a few of them, but I've never seen them work, but how uh, shitty lawyers are represented on like Law and Order or whatever. He plays that character well, like perfectly. He actually adds to it 
because you know he is with Jade, but he's still a lawyer, so you could still use him in other parts. So great job being a utility player there. I love where this is going with Warlow. I like I love Warlow. I think the Warlow squash is one of my top five favorite type of wrestling matches. He just does it in such a way that it just it just it just comes off as more of a murder than other people do. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going forward. I look forward to MJF trying to get back to the world title and how they're going to do with MJ uh, Warlow. I do feel sorry for Warlow if he goes up because he said he was going to go after a TNT title. Unfortunately, Cody holds that TNT title currently. So, <laughs> I mean, if you remember Warlow's first match, you would remember what happened, right? Yes. L to Cody, you know? L. So that's probably going to happen again. So I feel bad for him. He gets all pumped up and he's like, oh, I'm going for the TNT title just to get Crossroads, Crossroads, Tiger Driver. You know how it goes. You know how the song goes. Because it happens you know to everybody. It. So, uh, come on, Warlow. Come on, Warlow. Go after uh, go after something else. Go after FTW title. You got that one. There you go. <laughs> we then had a backstage segment with the Young Bucks, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and newly signed Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, O'Reilly basically told the Bucks, like, listen, you got to go. And then the Bucks are like, no, unless – uh, Adam Cole, like, we're not going anywhere. You don't have to tell us what to do. Adam Cole was like, listen, just give us a minute. Young Bucks uh, relent. And then O'Reilly also said, uh, Bobby, you got to go too. And we get the face-off between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, who we know from NXT have had some very recent beef. And Kyle said, we're in AEW now, so I'm going to find out tonight in this match if you really have my back. Um, so possibly teasing something happening in the match saying like, doesn't seem like this beef might be fully over just yet. Um, we'll move over though quickly into Dan Lambert with men of the year running down Cody Rhodes saying, continuing to say, Cody, you never made it until you cut a deal with Tony Khan to skip the line of much more deserving talent. And then also, uh, saying some very mean things. Uh, to Brandy Rhodes, which then led Brandy to come out and call Dan Lambert a less talented version of Paul Heyman. So I see somebody saw what Punk said a few weeks ago and was like, I want to do that too. Um, it was a great line. Uh, and said, who told you this was open mic night? Um, Dan Lambert uh, was told by uh, Brandy that she would whoop his ass tonight for free. Dustin... Uh, would come out after he she said, oh, you have a black belt? Well, I'm a black bitch. Let's go. And then Dustin stopped, tried to stop Brandy. Ethan Page then blind and Scorpio blindsided Dustin. Lambert runs away, and all of them are laughing as uh, immediately Brandy tended to, to Dustin, and we didn't, get a, we didn't get a slap or anything like that. It was a shame. I would have loved that. But, hey, Brandy got a decent reaction, I will say. Oh, got, oh, a, yeah. And she draws ratings, baby. Oh, she made that tweet. So I I, I just got to come back because I was watching the show and I loved it. And of course, people on Twitter think Twitter is everyone. And I will have to unfortunately inform you that about 5% of the people that watch the show watch it, you know, are on Twitter. Like, I can name you like every show, like I could go through all the shows that I've watched 
and you know how many shows that I've probably tweeted about? I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was on, and I watched every episode of the show every time it came on. And I sent one tweet, and that was on the last episode. You, I mean, you wouldn't even know I watched the show, because I don't tweet about the show. So my friend Jason came over. I love bringing up my friend Jason, because he is a very casual wrestling fan. He's like, if the card's not good, if some, he will turn it on something else, right? So we're talking, and we're not even talking about the show. We talk about everything. I've known Jason since I was 12, so we talk about everything. And he said, dude, I loved Dynamite. You know what my favorite part was? And I was like, I, you know, I didn't know what he was talking about. I was thinking maybe <laughs> CM Punk or MJF. And he said, no, it was the Brandy and Dan Lambert thing. He's like, I love that. I couldn't step away. I want more of it, right? He said that. And I'm like, and, and it's have to say the word, it's no cap. Because whenever you tell an argument that's on the side of, what you're saying, everyone just thinks, oh, you, you're making it up. I'm not. Best friend told me this, and I'm looking at it, and, and I'm just like, that's, that's what I tell you. We get so caught up in our circle, right? We get so caught up in Twitter and our wrestling groups and talking to other hardcore fans. We think that's all that exists. But out there, there's Jason, and I'm just saying he's one guy. But he's represented by more than one person that like this stuff. They they don't think about all the the shaming and all that stuff and running down women. They enjoy it. You know how I know this? It's because the most popular time in wrestling ever was the Attitude Era. And guess what they were doing every week? This was light compared to what happened in the Attitude Era. And it's just, I'm not saying it was right, wrong, indifferent, go whatever you want. But I'm saying there is an audience out there that like it. There is an audience out there that doesn't want their wrestling to be highbrow and they don't care about performance fighting. They want it to be Jerry Sprinker. They want it to be two people hating each other and screaming the most insulting things popular po possible. And there is an audience for that. When people said it's go-away heat, I'm like, it might be go-away heat for you, even though I know you're going to be watching next week. But it's not go-away heat for casual audiences that look for the escapism in wrestling like I do. But this was a really good segment. I really enjoyed it all. I thought Brandy brought her particular form of energy. I thought Dan Lambert was a particular douche. He is my one of my favorite off non-wrestling characters in AEW, I'd say top five easily, like right after like Arn, you know, like he's right there. I love Dan Lambert because he understands the assignment. Be yeah. a dick, make people hate you. He does that better than pretty much anybody other than MJF. Yeah. And I love Ratchet, uh, Brandy Rhodes. I love it. Every time she just gets like so mad, like when she first showed up, uh, to sh like go after Jade Cargill, like when she gets ratchet, she gets Detroit ratchet, and I like that. So I, I appreciate when she gets to this level of anger. It's always entertaining. Um, and yeah, like listen, like I, I'll I'll relate this to music. Everybody was shitting on uh the most recent Drake album because of that song, way too sexy. And his other one, uh, Girls Want Girls, because of, A, the ridiculous uh, uh, right said Fred sample with I'm Too Sexy for My Shirt. 
and how ridiculous the beat was and the chorus and all that kind of stuff. And then the hook for girls want girls want girls where he said, say that you a lesbian girl, me too. Like, let's not, let's be very clear. Those are stupid and silly things to include in a song, but Twitter was going after him for it and they still did numbers. So like, dude, I can't, I can't, say that like what twitter says is completely what the entire populace thinks because twitter is like the loudest per- people in the room talking but it's not everybody talking so it's it goes with wrestling it goes with entertainment it goes with music it goes with all that like yes twitter can have a consensus consensus and the internet can have a consensus but it doesn't represent everybody yes brandy did numbers you can't argue it because to a lot of people, especially my age, and I, I, you know, we're old. We're the olds. To a lot of the olds, that is professional wrestling. What happened with Brandy and him is professional wrestling. Yes, they can enjoy the Danielson and Hangman wrestling match, and they can enjoy a tag team match. But wrestling was mic work. That's what's made got Stone Cold over. That's what got The Rock over. Like, when I talk about them, when I talk about people like that, it's not like, oh, do you remember when The Rock wrestled Hulk Hogan? I was like, do you remember when The Rock started yelling at uh, uh, Stephanie McMahon and called her a hoe or whatever? And and he's like, uh, you remember when The Rock told first said, when you smell what The Rock's cooking? Or Stone Cold, everybody go, what? You know, everybody has their thing, but it's very rarely... If when you're not talking to hardcore wrestling fans, it's very rarely about what happened in the ring. I mean, that's and that's the reason why WWE does their whole thing. It's like because the fans that they try to get back are the ones that don't necessarily care about the in-ring product, but the people that care about like the moments and that kind of thing. So, like that's that's how it goes. Um, and I'm not saying that I I don't think we're saying either that AEW is like doing that because again, you got some some crazy good like indie riffic wrestling on this show um but at the same time you got brandy and dan lambert who was doing the more character-based stuff and the more moment-based stuff of like attitude era level talking and saying stuff like mentioning paul Heyman's name uh that got a reaction and, and then jim Cornette, don't forget him oh yeah and also jim Cornette. yeah that yeah, was dan man. lambert's response yeah it's a smorgasbord and i keep trying to drive that home because there are stuff at times I don't like on AEW. I don't focus on that when I'm talking on the show. Proclivity for positivity. Let me throw that back out there for you just in case <laughs> you forgot. I don't talk about the stuff I don't like really. And it's just like, I love this segment. It, 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 I love Brandy because when she's into something, when she wants to, when she is feeling something, I think she's really good. I know some people don't like her. That's fine. I think she's really good. And I think Dan is excellent. He is phenomenal at what his job is. He is basically Jim Cornette. And, you know, he is the like a UFC Jim Cornette. You know, he's saying everything Cornette says or would say to draw heat. And he does a good job for it. Because most people realize these are characters on a TV show, not their real feelings. Yeah. But moving away from this segment, though, we get into the final TBS women's title semifinal match, Jade Cargill versus Thunder Rosa. And this was the match where we, where I believe, I believe you and as well as myself were like, OK, we need to see a lot of improvement with Jade in terms of in-ring ability. And I don't know if I can speak for you, Floyd. 
I think there was a good amount of improvement in this match for Jade because, I mean, like, there were multiple moments in this match. Uh, that boot that she hit Thunder with was fucking vicious. I love that running boot that she hit. Um, I felt like Thunder Rosa really worked well, uh, just making Jade look strong. Um, and I think Jade did a good job. I think uh, she did an all right job of sell- selling, but in terms of, like, making herself look strong, she did a good job. Um, and surprisingly enough, uh, like you predicted Thunder Rosa, I predicted Jade Cargill and basically Mark Sterling distracted the referee when somebody in a hoodie came out, attacked Thunder Rosa, Cargill hit Jaded and then pinned Thunder Rosa. And first, before we get into what happened afterwards, I think this was Jade Cargill's best match on the raw on since she's been signed and I think Thunder Rosa is incredible. She's still one of my favorite wrestlers on AEW, just straight up. But I think Jade has set herself up. Like this was the this was the prove it moment. This was uh, your moment where it was like, I want you to succeed in this college football playoff like kind of position and not pull a Michigan. So please do that for me. And she didn't pull a Michigan. I think she did her best match that in a really big moment. Um, and she goes to the finals for the TBS tournament. I'm very excited for that. And then we find out that the hooded finger, figure that jumped Thunder Rosa was none other than Mercedes Martinez. Mercedes Martinez is back in AEW. Like, many people may forget that she was in the uh, Women's Casino Battle Royal. Like, Mercedes Martinez is fucking back. I, I had to do a double take because I was like, oh shit, Mercedes is back. And they double teamed on Thunder Rosa until Ruby Soho came out and chased off of that, chased them off with the CTO pipe. So this was fucking sick, honestly. I think Jade is showing pretty good signs of improvement. I think this was again one of her best matches. Thunder Rosa is still unbelievable, and we got Mercedes Martinez on the women's roster now, fully all elite. Like yes, fucking please. Yes, I love this match. I thought. Thunder Rosa was the the ring general. She's the veteran. She uh, led the match really well, told a good story. I thought Jade's selling was extremely improved in this match, uh, selling the leg. Um, yeah, um, I just thought I really enjoyed a lot of what had to do with this match. Um the thing was, when we got towards the end, yeah, I thought they were heading towards Thunder Rosa winning. And then Sterling did the thing, and then I saw the woman uh, hit hit uh, Thunder Rosa in the head. And I look at my brother. My brother's over here because there's a football game, OU football game on, and the, uh, wrestling on. I look at my brother. I said, that's Mercedes Martinez. And he's like, like completely. I, I absolutely knew it. If I will tell anyone, if you watch it back, and then you watch, no one moves like Mercedes Martinez. No one does. She, it's almost like Randy Orton. If you saw Randy Orton, it was in a full mask, and you saw him walk down a ring, and he, and he walks like Randy Orton, you know, you would know it's Randy Orton. The gait, the, you know, the strut, everything about it, you would know it no matter what they're wearing. I am a huge Mercedes Martinez fan. As soon as she hit that, I said, that's Mercedes Martinez. And, and of course, I killed the surprise from my brother. Sorry, that's the <laughs> shitty part about watching wrestling with me. Uh, and, and he was like, whoa, how did you know it was Mercedes Martinez? I was like, no one moves like Mercedes Martinez. No one does. And I was so happy I was wrong. Because if me being wrong means we get Mercedes Martinez versus Thunder Rosa uh, feud, 
Oh my God, sign me up. Sign, yeah. sign, sign me up. Sign, sign me up. <laughs> they are going to beat the shit out of each other. And it's going to be amazing. I am, oh my God, just, I am so excited for this match. I'm like, I am more excited than like any title pitcher. I just think they're going to just destroy each other and it's going to be so beautifully violent. And, you know, I like violence and I like storytelling. And I just think this is going to open up a little bit more of a side of Thunder Rosa. You're going to see a little bit. I know we got the street fight with a brick. You're going to see a little more angry side. And Mercedes Martinez is a threat anywhere. She's one of the better women's wrestlers in America, if not the world. And they're going to they're gonna throw some bombs. And this is going to be beautiful. And I, Mercedes Martinez is all elite. I am very excited about this going forward. Yeah, and I will say too, like the leg selling by uh, Jade was really good. Honestly, focusing on the leg selling that she did was good. Uh, there was only just a couple moves, like I can't name them off the top of my head, but there was just a couple moves that she did, like that she took that were like maybe the selling could have been a little bit better. But the selling of the leg was good, honestly. Um, but yeah, no, again, this was the best I think she's done in a very, very long time. But we then get. To my boy, we get to CM Punk in the Daily's place for the first time ever. First out, he comes out, gives a big shout-out to Jim Ross, saying, like, I got to thinking how awesome it is, you sitting back at that booth, you're the best to ever do it, we're glad to have you back. Um, he talked about how he's never been to Daily's place. This was a home for AEW, and it got me thinking about Brody Lee as we were on the anniversary of Brody Lee's passing. And he said, if there's anybody out there that says anything to try to minimize the impact that man had makes me feel sorry because that means you never met him because he sat home he watched the tribute show and it made him want to come here and he said that on many occasions in interviews about how like seeing how they handled that was really one of the things where he's like man that company seems really not great so then he said it started to think about someone then who isn't worth his time and and Speaking of internet, internet trolls and stuff like that, I'm talking about MJF because he's basically a Twitter troll. He doesn't say stuff to your face. He hides behind a keyboard. He's so stupid he actually believes he's as good as Roddy Piper in Portland. But Piper laced up his wrestling boots. MJF laced up his running shoes because he all he did was run. And look, look, if MJF doesn't want none, he doesn't have to have none because Punk is looking towards bigger and better things. He is as well. So you always hear MJF say, if you want to be a champion, like everyone said this, Stone Cold Steve Austin, all wrestlers say, if you don't want to be a champion in your promotion, you shouldn't be there. And that's true because Punk wants to be AEW champion as well. So listen, MJF, you're a waste of my time and you're a bigger waste than con money than Tim Tebow. Ouch. I love seeing him snicker when he said that, though. He said, I didn't want to mess with MJF, but he found out the hard way on this microphone in this ring, even at commentary, nobody can touch me. I popped for that fucking line. But he said, it would really be a shame if somebody interfe- interfered in MJF's quest for gold. There you go. Yeah. Very solid promo. Very great work by Punk. Um, I love the references he made to the pipe bomb. And it was just a great moment of him talking about Brody Lee, Daly's place. He wrapped it all up really well. And really built up to like how like yeah they're not done with each other but they're kind of done with each other so this was a great promo and of course favorite part of the show 
Yes. Uh, this is a great promo. Uh, Punk did it. Amazing job. I love when he popped himself. I did. I, I, oh, my God. It's so good. Yeah, he popped himself. He made him like, he, he's like, he cracked up. I was like, okay, that was a good one. Uh, yeah. Um, somebody's like, oh, you should say a reminder. I was like, you can pretty much pick anybody during the Jacksonville era and then probably be accurate except like Trevor Lawrence. Blake so, Lawrence. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He he picked a good one because Tim Tebow's never even played a game for Jacksonville. Exactly. Yeah, so I was like, no, uh, I thought it was great. I, th- I thought how he teased that he might just screw, you know, screw with MJF and cost him a match or something like that just because he wants to. I, You know, I kept wondering how they were going to hold off MJF and CM Punk to Revolution. Or, yeah, that's Revolution, right? That's the next one. Okay. I keep getting Revolution and Phil Gear mixed up. Forgive yeah. me. So I kept wondering how they were going to do this. This is a perfect way to hold this match off to Revolution. Yeah. Perfect way. And I love it. It sets up both of them fighting different people. And maybe we get another tag match. Maybe we get something else. But they could definitely hold this off to Revolution. For sure, yeah. And again, like... I, here's the thing. I would have loved it if he made an Urban Meyer joke, even though Urban Meyer showed up on Don, on AEW. I would have just loved if he fucking did it. Because, like, for no other reason just to, like, add fuel to the fire, honestly. I would have fucking loved it. But, anyways, we then move over on to Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks backstage. Had a message for Dante Martin saying, you screwed us out of the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. So, listen... Martin, uh, can you handle a powerhouse Hobbs possibly for round two? Uh, so there was that. We then had Sammy Guevara having messages saying like he's going to win the TNT title back by beating Cody Rhodes. We'll talk about that later. And then we had Brian Pillman Jr. getting interviewed by Tony Schiavone. And in the interview, uh, Pillman said, listen, and I'm moving a cat. Sorry for hitting my mic. Uh, my partner, no, my brother, Griff Garrison, he walked into the House of Black. And look, I don't have a lot of memory of that night, but I can't get the sound of that bell out of my head when Black tried to end the career of my brother. So I tried to help him. My memory went fuzzy and black. And like thing I know, I'm lying next to the person I'm supposed to be protecting. Malachi, it's my turn to take the trip to the House of Black, but I'm not going to be barging at a, your door. I never got to know my father, but if the one thing I learned, it's like you only get one life. And you're not getting mine. So you're going to see a new Brian Pillman Jr. next week. Lights go off. Malachi Black comes out, stares at him. Then he lights go on. And then he's gone. So Malachi Black <laughs> yeah, continues did you, to Did you do... see the, the make, mistake in camera work? Yes. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is, hey, this is not me calling anybody out. This is just really, really funny. <laughs> you saw Malachi Black walking. And yeah. like, hey, you saw him walking away. I was like, oh, that's funny. I laughed. I don't know about you. I just got amused by it. It wasn't like, oh, I was like, oh, this is cheap work. No, it was just, I thought Look, it was funny. Look, dude, it's like by the amount <laughs> of times that like people do, like I'm not even giving like like doing this to defend it or anything like that because regardless of it, it looks stupid and funny. But like with the amount of times that like when people just like flash photography that when the lights go black to try to figure out either like who's showing up or like how they leave or come into the ring, like Everyone can spot it before the lights even come on at this point because of flash because of flash photography and shit like that. So like it's not like it's a shit where it's like even if you had the lights off, it's like and everything went fine. People can probably still see this motherfucker walking out of the building. Yeah. So no, no, no yeah, it's no problem. So <laughs> it's a it's a nitpick, and again, like it's stupid. It, it, it's, it's just funny. It was it's funny like, to laugh at. That's all I'm like. It's I wasn't expecting them to be perfect 100 percent of the time. It was just funny. 
That's all I was saying. Yes. <laughs> Moving, though, to the main event of AEW Dynamite of New Year's Bash Night 1, we had freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy and best friends Trent, Breda, and Chuck Taylor facing off against Adam Cole, Bebe, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly, for lack of a better term, the Undisputed Era. And fucking yes, this match was really good. Seeing these guys teaming up in a different company just made me smile so much. Uh, Orange Cassidy had great uh, interactions with everybody. And it was just a really great trios match. Considering that we had three multi-man matches on this card, the fact that I still like had good things to say about all three of them is a really good thing because normally that's not the case with me. Uh, but all three of these guys killed it. There was a great moment, though, when uh, basically uh red dragon uh was gonna try to go after somebody because o'reilly would hit a was going after orange cassidy tried to go after him again but then kyle o'reilly accidentally kicked adam cole in the face and then that's when best friends were able to go after red dragon and brandon cutler tried to come out didn't work bucks tried to come out didn't work but eventually red dragon were able to get the win and pin chuck taylor uh uh, after uh, the Bucks were able to super kick Chuck Taylor, and they got the win, but Adam Cole was visibly kind of like, "Dude, what the fuck?" And Kyle O'Reilly was like, "So we still got some issues here, and I'm very intrigued of it." Uh, so yeah, uh, this was a hell of a way to end off AEW Dynamite on TNT, and I, I got nothing else to say, dude. I'm just so fucking happy Undisputed Era is here. Absolutely, uh, this I think thought this match was great. I establishes them as the a great three man faction. Uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly said something in the interview before, and he said, "We are the paragon of Dyna- of AEW," and I'm thinking that might end up being their name. Maybe I caught that. Maybe no one else did, but I heard him say that. I thought that would be a pretty cool name. If you noticed on their gear, they got rid of the yellow. It is just black and silver. Uh, so. And it's matching, so I don't know if it's old gear. Uh, it, I don't know if it's old gear that happened to match or what, but it uh, it matched. So I'm just wondering where it's going with this. And I did like the the super kick and to see uh, to see uh, what was that called? The uh, something of the dragon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, their finisher, the uh, the. The kick to the head and brain buster. Yeah. That's great. And I feel like this, of course, is leading to a Red Dragon versus Young Bucks match, which signed me up because they've done this a lot and I've never not enjoyed it. Please, yes, absolutely. But moving over to AEW Rampage New Year Smash Night 2, we opened up with Darby Allen versus the acclaimed Anthony Bowens. Uh, so we get to see Anthony back in action in this match. Uh, and yeah, this was a solid singles match. Considering we didn't get a ton of singles wrestling that was like lengthy on Dynamite, having a good match between two of AEW's younger talents. And Anthony Bowens is truly the better wrestler, I think, out of uh, the, the acclaimed. And Darby Allen is my favorite res- one of my favorite wrestlers in AEW. Um, he's my favorite of the, of the pillars. And... Yeah, they did really good work. Coffin Drive got the win. Um, so there was just a lot of great back and forth with this. And again, uh, Bones really proves to show himself in this. But then after the match, Andrade comes out with his assistant, Jose, 
And then when they turn their heads towards Andrade, Bowens hits Sting with the boombox, and then the claim go after Darby Allen, and then Bowens holds up Darby, Max hits him with a fist in the face, and it was r- wrapped with a steel chain around it. Uh, yeah, so seems like Darby still got issues with the acclaimed and also possibly uh, Andrade, which can I say Andrade and Darby is a match that I would absolutely love to see, like a thousand percent. Yes, uh, first, well, yeah, I love this match. I just love how Darby violently just throws himself around. It's the fucking r- most ridiculous thing, and we always say it's like we don't know how long this dude can do this. Yes. Uh yeah, I just I it, it's just amazing. After the match, it was just a regular match they won. After the match, I, it's funny to say Darby's Allen's a regular match because he just does stuff that you just can't believe he does with his body. But after the match, which was uh really cool, was Andrade coming out and you know Andrade looking at Sting and Darby and you know and my <clears throat> my super fan brain. First thing I win is, so Sting has Darby. Huh. Andrade has a father-in-law that seems to have some history with Sting. Oh, my God. And and, and that was that's exactly where I went. And so everybody's like, oh, no, that can't happen. Flair's got heat right now, whatever. So I was like, okay, I put it out, to, I put it out of my mind. But Andrade-Darby would be an amazing match. Because uh, Andrade is just a really, really good worker. But, yeah, so Andrade sent out uh, a message today on uh, Twitter. This is, or I'm talking Tuesday, January 4th. Uh, he sent out a message today. He's like, you got Sting, but I have a father-in-law. And, oh, my uh, fucking God. And, you know, I popped immediately because Saturday Brattle of the Belts is in what city, sir? Uh, if, you know, if you don't, remember, I'm actually blanking. I'm actually blanking. Charlotte, North Carolina. There you go. I mean, that's Flair Country. Come on, that Dude, I mean, the that fucking, is the fucking the fucking reaction if that happens. That's Flair City. I'm not. God. Okay. I don't know if it happens. I don't know. I don't know where Flair is with them, but man, that I, I would pop so hard for that. Yeah. So, we then move over to the match that was on everybody's mind. The street fight tag team match between TJ, Anna Jay, and Ty Conti versus Penelope Ford and the Bunny. These four kicked the shit out of each other. I mean, like, my goodness, Ty Conti got busted open. I mean, I think at one point, yeah, she got a glass bottle slammed over her head by Penelope. The bunny alley got busted open like crazy. Um, multiple tables were used. Anna Jay got completely put through a table. Um, and then there was the spot where Penelope Ford uh, is uh, fucking... Well, for Anna Jay, has barbed wire around her arm, and then she hits the Queen Slayer on the bunny, which got the win. But then even before that was when fucking... Um, Thumbtacks got used, and Bunny got put on thumbtacks, and yeah, it was these four absolutely kicked the shit out of each other. And like again, it's one of those things where it's like 
these girls literally went out there and did a type of match that you would normally see only guys do. And it's like they they saw what uh, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker did and was like, okay, let's go that route. And they they did, and they did a hell of a job. I got nothing but great things to say about those four. They really killed it in that match. This I, I, All I kept hearing is how amazing – this match was going to be. That's all I kept hearing is how amazing this match was and was going to be. And I I mean, I just kept hearing it. And it was just like, I can't say I didn't believe it because, of course, I believed it. But good Lord, it was everything you wanted it to be. It was a women's match that pretty much had been being building for a year. This was the only way to finish it. I love Ty's, uh, you know, um, Gotch style pile driver that was amazing, and then the way they chose to end it, she wrapped the bar wire around her arm, and I was like, "That's just so violent." And in that moment, and it was just great. I standing ovation, applause to these women. I'm very, very, very happy that they won, and it was great. Yeah, it was really great. But we move over now to the main event. Cody Rhodes, the TNT champion, defending his title against all ego Ethan Page. And, yeah, I honest to God think these guys did a really good job. Cody still got the win. Uh, the show ended with him celebrating with Dustin and Arn. Uh, the match itself, again, like, Ethan's a great heel. It's, a we- it's still a weird situation of just, like, how we're supposed to feel with Cody as champion again and uh, with Ethan Page. Like and the entirety of uh, Men of the Year and Dan Lambert just running down the fact of like how people don't like Cody, um, so much so that like Cody ended up releasing a T-shirt of that thing he posted on Community with the uh, "Don't be a babyface, don't be a heel, be a winner." Like my fucking god, dude! This dude with his shirts. I know Floyd. I knew Floyd as soon as I saw it. I'm like, well, I know what shirt Floyd's getting, and I was I was right. Um, but this was a good uh, main event, I think. These guys did a good main event title match. Uh, I honestly still do feel bad about the sh- – I, I kind of wish the steel cage and, – and I know Rampage is weird. I've, not steel cage, the street fight. I know Rampage is weird with it, but I would have loved it if the finish of the show was the street fight match because those girls fucking ripped each other to shreds, and I kind of just wish that would the, the was the main event. Maybe that's just me. I get it was a title match, but I – Ah, I don't know. I would have really liked it if the girls finished it off because they did amazing. But this was still really, really good. Well, let me tell you how you're supposed to feel about Cody being the champion. I, I vague so my boy could go ahead. Uh, it is you should feel ecstatic because the TNT belt, big red as it used to be so lovingly called, uh, is home. It's where it's supposed to be. Only on the only three-time champ in AEW history. There's not even been a two-time champ. He's at the champion three times. Three times. And, man, Ethan Page, great guy, great athlete. He gave it, he, he gave it his all. He gave it his all, and he looked good, and Cody looked better, and it was just great. You know, Cody's just doing his thing. You know what I mean? So, shout-out to, uh, oh, Dan, maybe Scorpio. You know, train, go work out, do a little calisthenics, hit up a little DVP yoga, get ready to lose to Cody, too. Uh, so uh, that'll be fun. So, you know, I I, I wanted a Cody three-time shirt. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, I want a Cody three-time shirt. And Cody's like, oh, pause, pause. You don't know what you want. I know what you want. And then he sent out that shirt, and I was like, 
I know what I need. And since I want all my friends to be winners, someone I know's birthday is coming up soon. Be on the lookout. Oh, shit. <laughs> so be on the lookout. Cause I, want you I to, will keep my eyes out. I, I want you to be a winner, too. Hills and faces. They don't exist. That's 80s. That's 80s. You know, that's, that's a, a long time ago. Let's not worry about hills and faces. It's about wins and losses. And Cody wins. Cody wins. Boom, he wins. Cheer him, he wins. Because he's a winner. That's what winners do. They win. And this one, Ethan Page pissed him off. He talked about his wife. He's like, no, Cody likes to pose. And I was like, he didn't pose in this match. He, he really did. He, 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 he aggressed. Cody likes to go out and cheer and yell at the fans. He didn't do that shit. No, Cody, I got to mess you up. You talked about my wife. You talked about the queen. You talked about Brandy. So I'm going to have to mess you up. Crossroads. He didn't pause. Crossroads. He didn't pause. Tiger driver. Pin. Went straight for the cover. Just like Uncle Arn taught us. Okay? That's how you take care of it. That's how you take care of family business right there. Cody. So he gets the next victim. Line him up. Yep, line him up, knock him down. <laughs> yeah. Cody's at his best Cody. He, Cody is at his most Cody right now. And yeah, it's so hilarious to me when people are like, well, I just don't like his character. And I'm just like, it's the same character he's been since. <laughs> it really, it really is that off. <laughs> it's the same character he's been since like 2019. Well, he talks a lot. I mean, he, he's not been saying he's the best for three years. Eh? <laughs> I'm like, he ain't been saying he's the best. He hasn't been telling people, oh, you're good, but you're not good enough for the last three years. He's the same guy. <laughs> Nothing's changed. How you view him has changed. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. And how I view him has not changed. Because whatever Cody does to someone is what they deserve. <laughs> Hell yeah! There you go. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'll leave it at that. And that was the finish for AEW in the year 2021. We are in the new year, so we will get into our previews for AEW Dynamite's debut on TBS. We're gonna see MJF in action as he looks to rack up wins to become closer and closer to AEW World Title Gold. We get the finals of the TBS tournament. Ruby Soho versus Jade Cargill. We get the Lucha Bros teaming up to face off against Jurassic Express. We get Brian Pillman Jr. stepping into the House of Black to face Malachi Black. And we get Brian Danielson versus Hangman Adam Page 2 for the AEW World Championship. Another 60-minute time limit, but this time we have judges. So... I will I will throw it to Floyd though, at least with who he thinks the judges are gonna be. I feel like this is a dynamite one point five. This is like almost a pay per view. I'm like It's you close. Got, you got three this title changes. I mean three title chances. Like the only thing that kills it from being a pay per view is the squash match, which will be me Malachi Black versus Ryan Pillman Jr. and MJF probably tapping someone out. But other than that, this is just loaded. And you're like getting a 60-minute match. If I'm looking at the judges, if I'm looking at who the judges are going to be, I'm going to guess John Moxley. I could see that. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, seeing Brett come back would be fucking sick. Yeah, as a world champion that is known for a very 
good Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12, he would be somewhat of an expert, correct? I believe so, yes. yes. And I think you want to save the flare pop. I think you want to save the flare pop for Charlotte if you're going to do Ric Flair. If you're going to do it, yeah, you kind of got to save it. You're going to save it for uh, then. So the third person that I see would be, I think it'll be one of their uh, legends that they have employed, either the Big Show or Mark Henry. All right. that's. I think that's completely fair, but... It's not, I, my mind's not really sexy. It's not sex. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I'm not good at predictions like that as well. So I, I, I could see Moxley coming back. Um, Brett is one that I love. Um, I could also see Eric Bischoff because, I mean, well, and that's the thing too. It's weird to me seeing Eric also show up in, in WWE and then also doing stuff with uh, AEW. This dude just keeps his, his doors open for both companies, which I love. They found um, ahead. I wouldn't call it heat. I would call it like... You know, like very uncomfortable exchange on Twitter so about you know, you know Eric saying he was in a real war that Tony wasn't, and you know a little bit, yes. Yeah, that's why I don't want to call it heat because I think just you know Tony shrugged it off like okay, sure he has like, to, okay he has to sell his podcast whatever say whatever you need to say, uh, but. It, it was it was something there. It was something less comfortable there. So I would like to see Eric Bischoff there, and that would be interesting. Um, yeah, uh, I I just I think there's so many different ways they could go. Uh, they could you know introduce someone new. You know, uh, you know, try to pick rivals of each wrestler, which it'd be kind of hard because Brian Danielson, you know, being fairly new, and it's like this kind of was like his first match. So, you know, Miro is somebody that could uh, come, you know, because he's been hiding in the white room. Yeah. But I think, they, I, I, I think they're going to do a good job with it, and I'd love that they have given us no notice, so there's no expectation. They uh-huh. can come out and say, okay, we got Mark Henry, Big Show, and uh, Mark Henry, Big Show, and Arn Anderson. And you'd be like, well, that's not exciting. Well, no one promised you anything exciting. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? They have literally not mentioned it at all. All we know is that there's going to be judges. Yeah. So it's like they haven't promised anything, so they can't under or over deliver at this point. Well, they can definitely over deliver, but I don't think they can under. (laughs) But yeah. But that is the preview for Dynamite. Uh, We also have two matches that have been announced for Battle of the Belts, which is taking place. uh, What day is that taking place, if I'm not mistaken? It is Saturday, Uh, January 8th, live from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, We only got two matches. Two matches. So I think they're going to be the only two matches. I think the rest might be like interviews and stuff. I I think they're going to give each team, each match a, a good amount of time. For, yeah, fair enough. And it's that Saturday show that they don't normally run. Um, I could still see them. Maybe I. I mean, I don't. That's the thing. It's like I don't know what they would do with the AEW title match. That would, I mean, like, if, ha, if like, they, like we just got the match on TBS. So it's like if they add a match, I just don't think it'll be for a belt. I think they'll just add like a punk match, which is yeah. You, I think they want to draw, and if you want to draw, and that, you, that's how you draw. You put punk on there, so I think that's what it'd be. Maybe Ricky Starks defending the FTW title, but I, I just think you go punk. I think you go two title matches and a punk match. I mean, that's that literally that's all I asked for. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, 
I am fine with that. You know, Cody's main eventing, so, you know. There you go. Cody and Sammy G for the TNT title and Britt Baker versus Riho for the women's title. Those are the two matches. Sammy unfortunately made a New Year's resolution that he was going to be the TNT title. Good thing for him, 80% of New Year's resolutions fail. (laughs) Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, Hey, he's young. He has tie now. So, dude, dude, hey, win or lose, you got a good life. Good, you'll you'll get back up there, kids. You're only twenty eight. You got plenty of time, and there's three hundred sixty four days more in a year. Cody might get tired of being TNT champion. You know, he maybe relinquish it. Yeah, he carries the company. He does the Go Big Show. He has his. Uh, he has his, uh, you know, reality show. He's world famous. He has too much time on his hand. He might just be like, okay, no one can beat me. Let me just give the title up. Yeah, you know, it's it yeah, is. I mean, because he, he he is good. He's generous. He does things for charity. Tomorrow he's doing a. Uh, if you're going to New Jersey, he's doing a, a a meet and greet, and he's giving it to the kids. You know, he does give it to the kids. And to, I mean, Saturday he's gonna give he's gonna give something to the Sammy the kid. He's gonna give him ass whooping, and that'll be fun. <laughs> yep. But that is what we have for AEW this week. But I do think there is still a few other news and headlines that we want to cover real quick. So, Floyd, that's on you. All right. Just found this out while we were on the call. Matt Jackson has COVID. Uh, and they, <laughs> they announced it in only the way that the Young Bucks could do. And it's through a bio. Loyal to a fault, we sometimes have to make executive decisions. Always book ourselves strong. Our future grandkids are set for life. Matt has COVID. That's how they announced it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Three words at the end of a very douchey, uh, very douchey bio. Matt has COVID. Uh, so uh, it's reported Matt, obviously Matt uh, and um, Cutler and Nick all will be off of Dynamite, Rampage, and Battle for the Belt. So I'm guessing they're going to have to do some shuffling as far as what the card's going to be, which is great. Uh, Jake Atlas appeared on uh, AEW Dark and got a win over Sherpentico. Today, it was announced that it was his tryout match. And uh, man, the myth, the legend, Jake Atlas uh, is all elite. If you're not familiar with Jake Atlas, he, uh, for years, he was mostly a West Coast ref- wrestler, PWG. Uh, he was, you know, talented. I believe AEW wanted to sign him, you know, originally. But he signed with WWE. Big thing is he wanted to change WWE. He wanted to be the first openly gay wrestler and uh, like, you know, to be world champion in WWE. That was his thing. Uh, it didn't work out, unfortunately, in NXT. He actually got pretty depressed and thought about not wrestling anymore. And he, uh, you know, people talked about getting him in and they got him a tryout and he signed with AEW. Now, a lot of people well, before AEW started thought that if Jake Atlas signed with AEW, this is how well he was thought of, that he'd be one of the pillars. He'd be one of the four. That he had a bright future going forward. So we will see what Jake Atlas has to offer. His finishing move is he's on the top ropes, does a cartwheel, and lands into a DDT, a top rope DDT. Uh, I think he calls it the LBGT DDT. I think that's what it's called. LBGBT DDT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
Uh, I, 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 like, I don't know a lot about him. I know what I saw in uh, the, NXT. I thought he was super talented. And I didn't, like, you know, I knew what he wanted to be. And I could see that he wasn't allowed to be who he wanted to be in WWE. So I am glad that he's giving wrestling another shot. Uh, just think about it. It's like two people that AEW has brought out of retirement. Leo Rush yeah. had retired, and they brought him out. And now Jake Atlas had retired, and they brought him out. So just watch. And CM Punk was out of retirement. Yeah, right. Come on. Christian was retired. <laughs> Come on, man. They bringing everybody you, out man. of retirement. But speaking of bringing everyone out of retirement, we had to announce one retirement. The producer of AEW, he was the second person hired by Tony Khan, uh, Mr. Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell, uh, a lot of people might not know the name, but World Class Championship Wrestling in the 80s, who were considered kind of revolutionary in shooting professional wrestling. He was the producer that made up a lot of the styles that came with it, shooting the camera in the ring and like the cameraman being in the ring during the moves that was kind of that was a him thing that was something that he created he moved from world class to wcw uh when they and then he was with wcw until they went out of business then went to tna then he was within tna till uh tony khan signed him for aew and uh the um new year's smash this new year's smash was his last show producing. So uh, as a person, I, I didn't even know how much he's been involved in my life over until like the last year. You know what I mean? Last few years, I've learned how much he's involved in my life. World Class was one of the first wrestling companies I ever watched. So I literally watched his TV style. I watched the whole of WCW. You know, I until they went out of business. I, you know, the early years of Impact. I'd say the first three years of Impact. I was all about it, and then of course AEW. So literally, Keith Mitchell has been a part of my life my whole life, and I didn't even know it until the last recent years. So happy retirement to you, Mister Mitchell. I hope you the best in life. Yes, yeah, shout out. But that will do it for this episode of All Things Elite. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of All Things Elite. Remember to continue to download the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating, a review. You can leave a donation through Red Circle. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod, at Social Suplex, are the guys that make this show possible. Be sure to check out all the other shows they have on their network. You will not be disappointed. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And to wrap this up, for the first episode of All Things Elite of the year 2022, I will throw it to Floyd so he can take us home on this episode. I will just say to you, Happy New Year. I hope your resolutions come through and you're all well in the new year. Uh, basically make sure you're, we go back to make sure you're washing your hands and wearing your mask because Omicron is kicking our ass. So with that, I leave you out. I always leave you whether it's home, work or school, always do your best to be elite.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.